Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where from the period of time of March 2021 through June 2022, I interviewed 182 founders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and authors from over 50 different countries and built a global audience in 165 countries while posting and producing my podcast at the Irish Tech News platform. Since then, I realized there's a lot of incredible content in the interviews that I had. And my interviews were thought leadership podcast interviews that had amazing gems, amazing gems from um, all the guests that I was able to interview. And so I've chosen and decided to create the uh, Crypto Hipsters Chronicles series, which is a series of the gems, the, the little tiny pieces from each of the interviews that I had in the areas of Bitcoin, Ethereum, metaverses, NFTs, regulatory issues in crypto globally, art, and you name it across the wide spectrum of different verticals in blockchain and crypto industry and in fintech and mobility and sustainability as well. Uh, these are about 15 minutes long, each uh, chronicle, and has three, four, or five different segments from different interviews. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope you have uh, learned a lot. And if you'd like to um, listen to the full podcasts, they are available online at both the Irish Tech News um, and on Anchor. And uh, in a future date, will be available on the Crypto Hipsters station as well. So please enjoy and uh, talk to you soon. Welcome to Crypto Hipsters Chronicles, episode 38. The pitfalls and rewards of crypto trading and investing. This podcast is a compilation of clips and segments from four interviews first with jitender tokas who is the co-founder and chief business officer at delta exchange second angelica demel who is content lead at bux third ori levy who is the ceo at NF Trade. And fourth is the shadow CEO, Ethan Slotkin, who is the CEO of AS and Company. Episode 38. Enjoy. And let's talk about those trading decisions and those tools because in May and June of this year, you know, a lot of people were liquidated um, because they were trading. At 100 at 100 X on Binance and other exchanges. Um, what um, how how did that end up working for your clients? And what is why should you know? Have you seen those 100 X trades right now? Um, and the recent pullback? What What's this? What's the status of the trading industry with that 100 X? That 100 X leverage is offered 
uh, is available on many exchanges, including our exchange. However, uh, that is not what the average trader uses. Um, and you know, from the data that I have you know gathered from various sources, or like public sources, uh, on other exchanges, to the average leverage uh, for a trade, you know, tends to be between you know five and ten. On Delta Exchange as well, uh, the average leverage used by a trader is about 7x. So there are people who use 100x and people who are using 100x clearly do not make uh, good returns over a long enough horizon. But that does not mean this is the behavior of an average trader. Now, whenever there are sharp market moves, liquidations happen. But you have to understand that liquidations can happen even if you are at a lower leverage. Maybe you have been holding a position for a long time and it has been in losses. And the second thing is that you cannot also assume that uh, liquidations happen only for retail traders. Like there are instances when in these big moves, over leveraged funds uh, have gotten wiped out. And we see that behavior even in uh, traditional markets where you know the mortality rate of hedge funds tend to be really high because they take risky bets. So this notion that only retail uh, do uh, take risky behavior and they end up losing all their money is not correct. Risky behavior happens across the board and B, I think you have to look at the average trader rather than, you know, the sort of maybe the tail end of the spectrum where uh, people are using high leverage and doing extremely risky stuff. Now on Delta Exchange, so what we do is, you know, we uh, try to educate traders about the risk of leverage. We provide them tools such as bracket orders so you, you can place your target uh, take profit orders and stop loss orders along with the, the order you are placing itself. So even before you take a position, you can place a take profit order and stop loss order with it. So uh, these tools uh, help uh, traders uh, sort of manage their risk. And I would also like to add another angle to this that uh, you know, um, it is good business for us to help our traders trade profitably, make money. We succeed when our customers succeed. And if a trader comes to our platform, you know, indulges in really risky, high leverage trading, ends up losing all his capital, it is quite unlikely that we will be able to you know, get that customer back. Or it's quite unlikely that he would, he would bring more capital and continue to trade. So it's good business for us to make sure uh, traders, uh, you know, make good decisions, manage their risk better, and you know, that sort of increases the value of them as customers to us.
So you also said something, you said um, a lot of the narratives that women tell themselves is I don't know enough, right? I interviewed uh, Tim Draper, who was a VC billionaire last uh, May. And he said, there's two keys to to a $1 million Bitcoin price. One is retail shoppers and the other is, is women being involved in, in, in technology. You know, yeah. how can we get more women to, you know, get past that? I don't know enough self-narrative um, to start uh, embracing and being involved in these difficult conversations um, to move to move things forward. I think what you are doing right now is a very good way because you're doing an interview with me and you're showing, okay, there, there are women working in fintech companies, right? So this is also a very good start. And this is also what the reason, for example, why I am doing my, my, my weekly um, uh, broadcast uh, at, on YouTube that we publish in our own channels. So to, to also show women, hey, it's, it's fun. It's it's not that difficult. You can learn. Everyone can learn this. And as for a par personal point of view as well, well, I, of course, a lot of my my girlfriends, uh, yeah, they also ask me, okay, where should I start, and and what should I do? And I want to start investing. I want to get involved. And it's yeah, I do not really want to quote it, but I do just 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 do it right. It's really if just doing it getting into it and try it out. I mean, if you, if you, you can also start with, with, uh, for example, with investing, you can start with, with uh, like fake uh, uh, accounts, just try it out with, with play money and, and have a look. And then you also can just jump into the in communities and trading communities also on socials and just listen and read and find out and then make your first little investments and see how it goes and then after a while you see okay you do not have to be that afraid anymore right and and you get used to it and then you start also talking about with people so now i have girlfriends i talk about etfs for example and this is this is cool and it's we have to make it normal and i think should this should also actually start for both genders in school I think uh, this is something as in Germany, it's really, really bad. In the Netherlands where we are based, I think it could also be better that in financial and personal investing education, it's just not existent. So you do not even know, okay, taxes, what should I do? Or um, um, a bank account, uh, how do I open this? Or um, what are there for options for me to 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 insurances everything so you 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 have to learn this by yourself or you have to ask your parents and and they also are not always the best source on the best help so we really have to start as early as it can to make finance a normal topic right a normal topic like like i don't know like like foods like like clothes make it yeah not an apple a day, but some finance a day, right? <laughs> to right. grow. Um, so in the in the beginning, you mentioned you mentioned the Bitcoin gateway and the Bitcoin calculator. Can you please explain those two things to me? Yeah, no, it was just a it was just a project that I was working on uh, when I first got into Bitcoin. I thought that there is a lot of knowledge that has to be that is uh, hard to find. So I kind of created sort of like um, 
an index website where I listed all of the recommended wallets, the recommended exchanges. Uh, I had some uh, some reviews on them and that sort of of thing. I guess that you can find quite a lot of these exist these days, uh, which is great. Uh, but back then there were weren't so many. Uh, regarding the calculator, the reason I developed that one was because um, there was no calculator. And back then, everyone were mining. Uh, people were mining from home. So um, we wanted to create something that would be simpler uh, for people to, to use without having to put in input manually all the data. They could just choose the, the the graphic cards that they had, and it would automatically input all the all the information for them. And eventually, what made us popular uh, was the fact that we took the difficulty increase in mining into 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 equation. Uh, other other calculators couldn't do that, so um, their calculations were off. So because the the difficulty was growing. Uh, a lot, and and none of them took the future growth into calculation. Then uh, that's what made us a bit more popular than the others. Uh, eventually, uh, the big players in that uh, industry has uh, taken uh, our advice and added that features as well. So I understand the day trading is good for those finance students. But you know, the, the say, say the liberal arts, the engineers, the architects, the you know, and, and then you said you said fundamentals, right? And yeah, you know, they're college students, so they don't really fully have, understand the, the the markets out there yet. They will as they start working. What would you? What advice would you give them um, as far as what projects are out there that are not just finance that are relate to to what they do? How can they do that? Yeah. So. You know, anybody can become a specialist in any subject matter, right? So, so the whole premise behind blockchain is decentralizing concepts and things that already exist in the centralized world, right? And that's going to go for everything. That's going to go for finance, financial. That's going to go for supply chain. That's going to go for insurance, a whole variety of industries. And, and that will be across verticals too. That'll be for architecture. That'll be everything you can come up with, right? So you have to think about what your advantage is as an investor, right? And what your advantage in the case you're describing as investors is you have subject matter expertise in one particular area. So for instance, I may be pretty wide because I know how startups function and projects function and how the ecosystem overall fits, but I don't have a whole lot of expertise in what's going on in the architecture world and, and what would be appropriate and what project innovations might make sense. But a student coming out of college that went through a rigorous uh, architecture program might have a very good sense of what would make sense there. So I think it's it's a question of knowing what you know really well and therefore what's your competitive advantage in the market and being able to focus on that. And it's okay if it's just one vertical or one functional area, just know what it is you know, and that which you don't know, you know, maybe be a little bit more cautious about, you know, in terms of ramping up. You have the opportunity to learn it. Everybody can learn and nobody comes, you know, just magically wakes up and, and knows everything, it's impossible. Uh, but start with what you definitively know well and make that your core investment area. And then you can expand out, you know, utilize YouTube, Udemy, um, all these incredible online course tools that exist every single day. And it's humbling, but every single day I wake up and I'm realizing 
new things that I have no idea about whatsoever. And so what do I do is I go online. I happen to be more of a visual person uh, or, or an audio person, not so much a reading person. And, and so I go and I find either a course or a podcast or uh, you know a, a video on explaining the concept that I don't understand. And so you know, make sure you just just continue to be hungry as a student. You know, you're always going to have to learn that, that that never changes because these days with tech, the world is evolving faster than our knowledge probably evolves. To be honest with you, and would you say that applies to both not only college students but people in their fifties? Yeah, but the college students have more of a hope right now because they're they're closer to, to learning and being comfortable with education. 